Our first reading can be found on page 746, Isaiah chapter 60, beginning at verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12, and you can find it on page 966 in the Church Bibles. The Visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the west went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned by another route. This is the word of the Lord.
Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Father, as we come to your holy word, help us to hear it, comprehend it, and live it out in our lives. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Mike arranged for two Sundays, one to follow the other in sermon topics. And last Sunday he preached at our morning services on Out With The Old. And he wrote a note to me, giving me details of what I was to say. In with the new on this, the first Sunday of the new year. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Both of last week's readings involved letting go of the past and moving on into the future. As I look around, I know that there's one or two people who have moved home. They can't use the key to the front door where they used to go in, or they might not get the welcome they used to give to other people in that house. But all of us have transited from 2018 to 2019. Mike quoted from the prophet Isaiah, he said, remember not the former things, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Many commentators have divided Isaiah's prophecy up into three sections, and these verses come near the end and are therefore in the third section of Isaiah, which was sent by God through Isaiah to comfort, strengthen, encourage those who had come back from departure in Babylon captivity there, back into the promised land. And already they'd started to get dug in and stultified and were in danger of not knowing what they should be doing. They were back to their old religious ways. Remember not the former things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. This was made very evident also in the prophet Haggai. The Bible recognizes that it's important to let go of the past so that we can move forward with God on into the future. From the scriptures, Mike led us to consider three things. Acknowledging, repenting and celebrating. Before we can leave the past, we need to recognize it for what it was. Good and bad has happened to us in 2018, and we've responded in good and bad ways. We must be real about the past and not just gloss over it 
if we are to move on from it. Secondly, in the book of Samuel, Mike led us to think that the Israelites had to turn away from their past, stop rejecting God, and start following his ways. That message was repeated again and again and again by all the prophets <coughs> seeking to lead the people on. Thirdly, celebrating. Zechariah, in talking with God in the New Testament reading for last week, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Not self-congratulation, but thanksgiving. For both Samuel and Zechariah last Sunday, there was also a background of suffering which had to be accepted. It wasn't particularly their fault that the Philistines or the Romans hated them. It's just how things were. Suffering needs to be accepted as a fact so that we can bring it to God to seek his salvation, his rescue. Not self-pity, but God-given courage. 2018, it's all right, I don't need any water, thank you very much. I might need something else if I did that. 2018 has been a great year to celebrate, or a rubbish year to be sorry for. Most likely a mixture of both. Do you remember a few years ago, our queen talked about her Annas Horribilis when there'd been that horrendous fire in Windsor Castle. And she acknowledged in her speech that Christmas the part of the year had been utterly horrible for her. Very often, as Mike taught us last week, there are several responses required to be humble, repentant, and yet with thankful celebration, not forgetting courageous acceptance. This time, two years ago, my Wendy was waiting for an operation on a breast for cancer. And the following 16 weeks were not easy. She had four fairly major operations, and all sorts of things went wrong. And we used, or at least I used to come, Wendy often wasn't able to come, but I used to come into church on Sunday, my Sunday. God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And I want to tell you that Wendy and I proved the validity of those two sentences. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, it was painful. 83 visits to QA, I think it was, including some visits of nurses to our flat. Went on and on and on. But all the time, incredibly... God is God. I'll never forget one Sunday. I came here and Wendy wasn't with me and I walked out during the last hymn 
and a, and an elderly lady, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue who she was, put her hand on my shoulder as I walked towards the door and she said, John, you know there's a lot of us praying for you and Wendy. Little things like that were staggering. God is good all the time. When we've dealt with the past, the sin with repentance, the celebration with joy and the sorrowful tears with courageous acceptance as part of God's work in our lives, it'll be time for us to begin to let go of our past and move on into his future. There are people who are sitting here this morning who've lost loved ones last year. Very, very, exceedingly very difficult to move on. And it's hateful when people say, well, life goes on, you know. But we need to let go of these things into God's hand. Out with the old. And in our Bible readings this morning from Isaiah and Matthew, in with the new. Last Sunday, Mike ended his sermon quoting from Zechariah's song in the New Testament. And you, my child, John the Baptist, of course, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on to prepare the way for him, Jesus, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Isaiah, in our reading set for today, speaks in language that prophets often do and sees their words as already accomplished. There's a modern translation of the Bible called The Message. And I love this because the first sentence is a command and every single one of you, without exception, has obeyed that command already today. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The message says, get out of bed. Wake up, you people. Put your face into the sunlight. The whole earth is wrapped in darkness, all the people sunk in deep darkness, but God rises upon you. His sunrise gloriously breaks over you. Wake up. None of us knows what this year will bring forth. Oh yes, we each have our plans, we have our thoughts and our hopes, but in truth we're totally ignorant as to what is actually going to transpire. But God's word is so definite, so positive. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The sun has been born. There was an angel 
who came to the shepherds who appeared to them and said the most fantastic news, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. Today, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Then followed certain instructions as to where they were to find the baby and in what condition they would see him lying. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts joined this solo angel, bringing praise and glory to God in the highest and a blessing of peace for men. And the last verse of that passage in Luke's gospel reads this. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. When Wendy and I were going towards Missionary Aviation Fellowship, we spent six months living in the headquarters in an office and house in northeast London. There was a dear godly old lady there, Doris Derbyshire, and when anything went wrong in the office, which was approximately every four and a half minutes, uh, she would say, you know, the most repeated sentence in the Old Testament is, and it came to pass, blip, 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 blip. and then with a twinkle in her eye, she said, and it did pass. I used to say to that to my captains when I did a bad landing, uh, and they didn't seem to catch on to the funny side of it, never mind. Sometime after the shepherds, there was a star. And it guided these wise guys from the east, and they came with their gifts to worship a baby. Jerusalem was stirred. Herod was stirred because he could see his kingdom control slipping away. But all Jerusalem was stirred. But God had warned the wise men, as we heard a few minutes ago, in a dream to find another way back home and not to go back into Jerusalem. So the Messiah was prophesied hundreds of years before, and it all came to pass exactly as it was foretold. You don't need me to tell you that we live in a remarkable period of history. How many wars are going on at the moment as we sit here? Hands up those who think it's ten or more. Put your hands down. Hands up those who think it's twenty or more. What a miserable bunch you are. No, 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 I didn't mean that. How about those who think it's forty or more? Yes, you're right, you've been reading the same internet pages as I have. According to the United Nations, there are more than 40 active conflicts around the world at the moment. While Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq are well known, there's many more. I found an, uh, one of those interactive maps, and it was a map of the whole world. And it had a red blob Everywhere there was a war going on at the moment. And against each red blob was the history how long that particular war had been going on. 
And alongside that were the number of deaths that had already occurred, mostly in hundreds, some in thousands, some in tens of thousands. And as you and I sit in church this morning, well-fed with breakfast, looking forward to lunch, and with a fellowship of loving people around us, there is murder going on in this world. You don't need me to tell you that. In addition, we read of terrible disasters. There's always a disaster around Christmas time, isn't there? Tsunamis and earthquakes and famines. I've been horrified as I've seen some of the adverts on television in the last month, six weeks particularly. There has been gorgeous, lavish food. Come to our store. We can give you a real Christmas. There's different drinks around and different ways of mixing them which will lift your spirit at Christmas. And very, very often those adverts were followed by a picture of a little child in somebody's arms, utterly emaciated. And at the age of three or four, he hadn't had one good meal in his life so far. And the charities go on appealing to us for our money. There's horrified stories of crimes, murder, rape and theft on our streets. How many times have you seen a report in some town or city you've never heard of and certainly never been to and the local residents are brought out uh, uh, to interview on television. We've never seen anything like this before. This is such a peaceful area. And for have this to happen here, we don't understand it. No, I'm not surprised. There's a lovely verse that Paul writes when he writes to the church of the Galatians. And he said, but when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. As the Apostle John put it in his Gospel's wonderful opening, which we hear read year by year at Christmas, to all who received him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Don't put your hand up. It's none of my business. But do you believe in that? You've heard it all the way through Christmas. Sermon after sermon. Do you believe it? That you are a child of God if you've come to him in repentance and forgiveness. You are loved child of God. John puts it in the third chapter of his epistle. We don't know what we shall be like, but when we see him, we shall be like him 
for we shall see him face to face. You want to know what love really is? <laughs> Come and join me in heaven. You'll even love me. Because God loves you. Wendy and I went to a funeral over in Linfield, Linfield this last week of a very, very dear, godly old lady. She and her husband drew Wendy into their home after she came out of the hospital, before she could rejoin me at Theological College. 1985. And uh, Derek died about four years ago, and Joe died just two or three days before Christmas. And it was a most wonderful funeral absolutely fabulous and one person after another and including the minister who was preaching said Joe loved people and then they went on to say Joe loved because she knew she was loved arise shine for his light has come upon you Do you have anything from the last year or longer back into the past that you need to positively leave with God and put right with Him? Is there anything that calls for your confession and repentance before Him? May I ask you to bow your heads? Don't look at me. Just look to the Lord by faith in your hearts? Is there anything you need to ask God's forgiveness over? Is there any sorrow in your heart that you have to take to God and ask Him to lead you through? Are there any errors you made in 2018 which you'd wished you'd never made? Just spend a moment now committing anything of that nature to God. Just a moment or two of silence. Father God, you know the hearts of every one of us. Grant us grace to humbly come to you. Please, Lord. Amen. Remember not the former things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. God's going to be doing or wants to do a new thing in St. Jude's this year. I don't know what it is. Mike and Neil don't know what it is. And I guess they'll be surprised as the rest of us at the wonderful things that God is going to be doing in this church. In the Christmas broadcast of 1939, I can't say I well remember it uh, because I was only just under two, but I must remember my dad having quoted it many times. But... 
a certain young teenage girl gave her father a poem. Her father was known as King George VI, and in his Christmas message of that year, he used this poem that his daughter had given to him. It's titled, God Knows. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That will be better than a light for the path and safer than a known way. God has a specific plan for your life. I wish I could point at every one of you and my own self at the same time. But God has a specific plan for you. It may well be part of his creative and re-creative work in St. Jude's this year. Let me read you something that has been in my Bible for years. Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no tongue but our tongues to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. We are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in word and deed. What if the type be crooked? What if the print be blurred? What if our hands are busy with work that is not his? What if our feet are walking where sin's attraction is? What if our tongues are speaking the things his lips would spurn? How can we hope to help him or hasten his return? Arise, shine, for your light has come. Yes, that was a prophecy concerning God's chosen coming Messiah. But the first two words, arise, shine, refer to you and me. May the Lord our God and Heavenly Father seek to give each one of us knowledge of what he wants us to be doing, how he wants to be, us to be spending our time for his namesake. Amen. Words of the next hymn, it's already up.